0: When when I was young, that was a long time ago, just after Noah's Ark, um, my mother used to tell me constantly, walk, don't run. And that was true when I was in a store with her. That was true at church or in the hallways of the school that I attended. And I don't know, maybe it's my age, but I still hear my mom's voice in the back of my head occasionally. And um, her voice back then was a strong deterrent and it still is today. When she would say, walk, don't run, I would slow down and do what I was told. And recently I've realized that in some areas of my life, those words are still being heard. Walk, don't run. I can still hear them in the back of my head. However, as believers, we're supposed to run, not walk. So I have to undo in my head my mother's advice. So scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The trouble with this is that you get so used to the verses that they don't say anything. So, let's make them ring a little louder and maybe become a little clearer, the message version. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Go over that story again. Go over that story again, item by item That long litany of hostility he plowed through. And that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I'm going to give it to you in another version (coughs) you've probably never heard of. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. All of that sounds really good. But there's a big but, always. Many believers, maybe even you, feel stalled in your spiritual walk. For some believers, their walk isn't a run, but it's become less than a walk, it's now a crawl. And for many, there are numerous difficulties that they struggle to live with and understand, I'm not sure we're meant to understand everything, by the way. And believers are living with serious disappointments because life does not work out the way we hoped it would. Amen? So healthy relationships have been difficult to maintain or seriously lacking. Christians are being absorbed by life, all that's happening around them. Christians are living with little to no hope that things will ever get better. Christians are being paralyzed by what's churning on the inside, feelings, lack of understanding, unsettledness. Um, People are living without a real sense of hope, even Christians. So often we look at all that's going on out there and we feel hopeless because we don't know what to do to change things. We don't know what to do to change things in our life. In our family, in the world where we work. It's difficult when the relationships you have aren't working, your finances aren't enough, you have more money than you have money, uh, you've got an overcommitted lifestyle. Uh, most Christians I talk to lack good friends, uh, they have too many relationships, all of them on the surface. We have time commitments that are demanding too much of us. Uh, We have family relationships that have concerns in them. We have circumstances and situations. We have health issues, as we heard earlier tonight. And on and on and on and on and on and on. It's not working because we're not running anymore. We're crawling in most cases. And for some people, they've just stopped altogether. But the issues are not the issue. So the question is, what is the issue? The real issue is inside of us, in our heart, in our spirit. It's not in our relationships, it's not in our finances, it's not in our circumstances, it's not in our situations, it's not in our health issues. The issue is inside us, in our heart or in our spirit. Let me give you an example from my own life. Those of you who know me really well and who I share with, you've heard me tell you that I am bored. You may not know that, but the people who really know me know that I am seriously bored. What I do as a Bible teacher, I've been doing since 1969. Some of you weren't even born then. What I do with the gifts of the Spirit, I've been doing since 1977. And what I do as an apostle, the majority of it, I've been doing since 1983. I can honest, honestly, I can do everything that I do with my eyes closed. I'm on autopilot. And I'm bored. I am really bored. The trouble of being bored, for me, is I'm walking and therefore no longer running the race. I can just do this stuff with my eyes shut. It doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't fizz me. I can do it here, I can do it in Russia, I can do it in Kazakhstan, I can do it wherever I go. But in my search to remove and overcome the boredom, I figured out i have been looking at all the wrong places. i have been looking to all the wrong things to overcome this bored-to-death feeling. When I'm bored, I'd like to go to Walmart, go into a dressing room, wait a while, and then yell very loudly, hey, there's no toilet paper in here. (laughs) In the last two weeks, I have realized that what I've done is taken my eyes off of Jesus. I'm doing the right things for the wrong reason I'm going through the motions, but there's no emotions. I'm dragging my butt instead of lifting my feet. And I may not be the only one doing that. So while in Winkler with Cody Bates, because he needs his rest because he's so old, I took several hours to be by myself and I have been carrying around a prophetic word, five pages long, single-spaced, that I received in October of 2015. And I've carried it to Russia, I've carried it to Canada. I never find time to read it again. 2015, we're in 2019. And so I read it a few times when I first got it, but I decided I would sit down and have coffee while he was having. Cody was having a rest. And I read it through three, four, maybe even five times. And then I turned the file folder over and I wrote down something that kept coming up in the word. And the word, the thing that kept coming up in the prophetic words was the word new. And so what I wrote down coming out of that prophetic word, just listen to the things that were there. New season, new focus, new spirit, new passion, new energy, new hope, new vision, new wave of the spirit, new movement, new territory, new generation, new acceptance of the message, new strength, new authority, new wisdom, new understanding, (laughs) new audience, and new way of doing things. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but when you see new that often, and I'm doing everything I've always done, you know, the oldies but the goodies, wondering why I'm bored on the inside, I'm bored spiritually, I'm bored mentally, I'm bored. And the word of the Lord, to me, went on to say, if you go to the bottom of the prophetic word, make sure you reform your ways. Don't walk in the current season the way you've walked in the former season. Bottom line, I took my eyes off of Jesus I took my eyes off of his specific individual rhema word to me in October 2015. And because of that, I stopped running. I didn't do it intentionally. I was busy doing good things for him. I think I was busy with him. But I didn't take the time to focus where I should have focused. And the reason for the boredom is that I'm not walking with my eyes on Jesus. I'm walking with my eyes on what I've always done and I always do it the same way I've always done it and I can do it good and do it well and it works and people get blessed and... So the bottom line is I stopped running and started walking. And if you're there, if your spiritual life is dull, boring, and you tend to go to Walmart So don't walk, run. So I wanna go back to those scripture passages. Stay with me. The passion was the one that really hit me. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us, the sin we so easily fall into, Then we'll be able to run, not walk, not crawl, run. Life's marathon, not a sprint, but a marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm. We fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into face perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures it making sense? So let's read it in the other version. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So when you find yourselves flagging in your faith or dragging your butt or crawling along or walking in the race that you're supposed to be running, go over that story again, item by item, the long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So here's what I got out of all this. Number one, get on with it. Never quit. Quit bitching. So in the last couple of weeks, I made a quality decision that enough is enough and I'm releasing the brakes and I'm moving on with my journey with Jesus and my ministry and I don't give a rude hoot where it takes me or what it does. I'm going to go back and rejoin the race and run it with my whole heart because you don't have too many options here. You either run the race or you sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else run the race. So either it's business as usual and you park on your journey or you get back in the race and run. So I decided that I'm no longer going to allow myself to be bored. How can you be bored with that many new things? How can you be bored with Jesus? So I'm no longer going to allow myself to be discouraged or defeated. I'm no longer letting circumstances and feelings get the best of me. I'm no longer settling for board. I'm no longer dictating, allowing anything to dictate how I run. I'm going to run. And I am running. You know, Paul said it this way. We are afflicted in every way. Yay, I knew that! I feel that, right? But not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. What it's saying is that we're on this race and you're going to have circumstances, situations, uh, things that are going to happen, but all that stuff's on the outside and what's important is on the inside because what's on the inside gets you to stand up again so that you may be struck down but not destroyed or you may be um, perplexed but not in despair. In other words, you didn't stop running. Paul understood what the writer to the Hebrews said in all those verses we read, that we are able to run life's marathon race. It's a marathon. It's not a short sprint. So you're not passing the baton to somebody else and you get to rest. You running your race, your way, until it's done. And it's done when you take your last breath here. There's always hurdles. There's always stuff that's going to happen. James and Peter talk about temptations and trials and tests and tribulation. And I add one. I'm tired of the same old, same old. I know they're all T's. When I get tired of doing what I'm doing, that's called being bored. And I bore really easy. And I don't like going to Walmart and yelling out. So, okay, so first step is recognize that this is a marathon run, get on with it, and don't quit. So I repented. Honestly did. I just sat there at my desk and repented that I had quit and was sitting on the sidelines, bored. And it was my own fault. Second thing this all said to me was, it has to be all or nothing. If you're running life's marathon race with passion and determination that's what it said so you're either in and running with your whole heart or you're sitting on the sidelines watching the race that which means you're out of the race so i looked up those two words passion and determination definition dictionary definition of passion is strong and barely controllable emotion No, it does not describe us at all. And when we were singing those songs earlier, there's a couple of them in there that, you know, you're talking about how much you love Jesus. Was there any uncontrollable emotion in there? Did you feel what we were singing? I think most of us don't. Other words for passion was enthusiasm, excitement, an all-in attitude, fervor, intensity, focus, zeal, eagerness, makes you tired just listening to them. The second word, dictionary definition, was determination, which is firmness of purpose. Other words would be resolve, willpower, strength of will, single-minded, intent, tenacity, stubborn, backbone, bulls, dog, spirit. If that were true then would I be bored? No. That would be totally impossible. So, the scriptures we're looking at says, get on with it and never quit. Don't sit at the sideline. As soon as you sit down on the sideline, you're bored. You're watching something. It's boring. And two, it has to be all or nothing. But three, the third thing is remove whatever is hindering you. So the scripture said, strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Or the other version said, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. I don't know what your baggage is. I don't know what my baggage is. Um, we're all carrying baggage, and we need to get rid of it because you can't run the race Carrying a bag. I know, because I drag one through every airport that I'm running from one connection to another. And you don't win, win the race when you've got baggage. For us to run with passion and determination, we need to remove the things that prevent that. So let's look at them one at a time. Spiritual fat. And I researched these words. Spiritual habits and disciplines that no longer release life in your walk. Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, anything that you're doing that used to have life and no longer does. Okay, the second meaning of spiritual fat was any religious baggage you're carrying. Religion destroys. And the third spiritual fat that you would have would be any belief that you have that isn't biblical and don't think you don't have one or two, or three, or four. Okay, so we need to be removing spiritual fat. That's any habit or discipline that no longer gives you life or releases life in you in your walk with Jesus. Any religious baggage from religion, from the past connections you've had, and the beliefs that you hold dear that are not biblical. Secondly, we need to get rid of the parasitic sins because parasites suck life out of you. Now, only you will know what's keeping you from going forward and running the race. But the Bible talks about sinning in thoughts, words, and deeds. So there's three levels. And you're a Christian, so I'm assuming you don't do a lot of the secular sins. So... Let me suggest some Christian sins, Uh, judgmentalism, gossip, rejecting what and even who we don't like, Uh, lack of love for other people, putting yourself first, not doing what Jesus commanded us to do, like winning the lost. All of the sins, parasitic sins, suck life. Because parasites suck life out of you. There's a third thing that it said, the wounds that have pierced our souls. There isn't a Christian that I know that hasn't been wounded. The problem is, if you don't let Jesus heal it, then you end up with offenses against people, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. And you can't run a race with any of those. You might crawl through the race, but you won't. So here's what I'm saying. You need to know your own heart, your own spirit. No one knows you better than you, other than God. We need to be aware of our spiritual condition and stop lying to ourselves. We need to deal with need- with what needs to be dealt with. It's not going to go away if you don't deal with it. We need to stop rationalizing. And maybe we need to confront ourselves. We need to make sure we're in the race, this marathon. that doesn't allow you to sit down and be bored. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Good, so get on with it and don't quit. It has to be all or nothing. You do this with your whole heart you remove whatever is hindering you. But number four, you realize you can't do this alone. The Bible said, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. The other version said, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who circle us like encircle us like clouds. But you know, it's not just those who've gone before and left us a great testimony. It's not all about the saints of old. We have current saints who are running a great race. Maybe they could help us. Christians who are on the same journey with Jesus that we're on. How about the people in this room helping each other? You can't succeed on your own because the Christian faith is not about you and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus. He didn't come back. He didn't come for you. He came for us. He came for a church, a family, a community. So it's corporate, not individual. So we need one another. Amen? But we don't always act like that. There are 59 one another verses in the New Testament, and they all stem from one very important one, which is Jesus saying, love one another. So we need to have a real relationship with a number of Christian brothers and sisters. We need to have a close relationship with at least one other serious and committed believer who can hold us accountable, who can be like an accountability partner, someone who actually you will speak into your life and tell you you're full of it if you're full of it, whatever that it might be. You need someone who's mentoring you or discipling you. You need to be mentoring and discipling someone who's younger in the faith than you are. We just need to get to the point where we realize you can't do this on your own and you keep trying and it doesn't work. There's a neat little video I want to show you.